Hello and welcome back to Move My Spirit. I'm Eric McCracken, and uh, today we're going to be reading part of Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be talking about the fruits of the Spirit. So um, I'm going to go ahead and start the reading um, just for the last four verses. I'm going to read chapter, chapter 5, like I said, verses 22 through 26. It reads, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Whenever I teach on the fruits of the Spirit, I take a little bit of a different approach. I, I tend to focus on one very important word. Are you ready for this? The word is, is. So oftentimes, whenever uh, people will teach on these things, they'll actually misread this scripture and they'll say, but the fruits of the Spirit are. But the way that this is written, it indicates that the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then there's a list following love. So the way that the Lord revealed this to me some time ago, the fruit of the Spirit is love, and the result of love is joy. And the result of love and joy is peace. And the result of love, joy, and peace is long-suffering. And the result of love, joy, peace, and long-suffering is gentleness. You get the point. The end result of all of these things is temperance or self-control. Why is that important? As Christians, of course, we need to always be actively aware of having self-control. You know, when we think about living a Christ-like life, usually one of the first things that we are, that we think of relatively easily is the self-control that comes with the Christ-like lifestyle. So what I would offer to you is when you read this passage, if you're missing any one of these components, you're not going to make it to the end result, which is that self-control. So the fruit of the Spirit is always love. And it's important to remember that Scripture does teach us that God is love and that love is one of our greatest commandments. So you take that and when you become loving, it's easy to become joyful. And whenever you're joyful, it's easy to be at peace. And when you're at peace, it's easy to have patience. And once you have that patience, then you'll come into that gentleness. And you can, you can kind of follow along with that. Something that I like to point out is that we're human. So as we go throughout life, occasionally one of these elements will fall off. But thank God we have... God's grace and God's mercy whenever one of the elements does fall off because when we keep our love 
but we lose our patience or we lose our gentleness, it's a loss of self-control. So I, I think it's very unique throughout many translations of the Bible. When you read these passages, love is always listed first. And temperance or self-control is always listed last. Um, the, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, those all can vary in their order. But uniquely so, love is always first, self-control is always last. So if you start with love and you add these things in, you will wind up with the self-control that you need and that you desire. When we read through the rest of this passage, it says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Crucify the flesh every day. The point there is, you know, getting rid of the desires of the flesh, making sure that your spirit man is always on the up and up. Be ready for what God has all the time. Be instant in season and out of season. Um, yeah, and then in, ver- in verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. It's not enough just for us to, you know, sit at home with our Bibles and and say, you know, yes, I'm living in the Spirit. He's basically saying here, if you're gonna if you're gonna talk the talk, you gotta walk the walk. So when we're out and about, we have to exemplify these things and show people, yes, I am living in the Spirit of God. I am, I am living according to the Word of God. I'm, I'm doing my best to keep my life where God wants me to keep my life. I'm doing my best to stay on track with what He has planned for me, not necessarily what with what I have planned for me. And and that results in verse 26 here. Let us not be desirous of vain glory. Let us not provoke one another. Let us not envy one another. Um, if you have a study Bible, likely it's listed right off to the side that those things are evil passions. So... Uh, you know, when, when you think about the fruits of the Spirit, I hope that I'm going to be able to kind of shed a little bit of new light on this subject for you, because the fruit of the Spirit is something that we're, we're taught from the time we're little. Um, there's, there's a cute little song that I was taught as a child, you know, the fruit of the Spirit isn't a banana, and if you want to be a banana, then you can't be a fruit of the Spirit because the fruits are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you want to be an orange, you can't be a fruit of the Spirit. Things like that. I mean, from the time we're, we're young in our faith, we're taught these, this list of fruits of the Spirit. But I don't think it's really until adulthood that we actually come to a realization of what it all means and how they all fit together. They're, they're a puzzle in the scripture because without one, the puzzle isn't complete. And, you know, it's, it's so easy for us walking this earth 
to lose our patience, to lose our gentleness, even at times to lose our faithfulness. Because the enemy of our soul will do everything and anything he can to beat us down, to browbeat us, to try desperately to get a hold of our ankles and pull us under. But, but we have the assurance of knowing that God's grace and God's mercy is always going to supersede. And when we take the time and we start with love and we say, okay, I have to remind myself to be loving. How am I going to do that? Here's how. Remind yourself, God is love. Okay? Write that down. If you have a pen handy, I want you to write down the words, God is love, and put it somewhere that you're going to see it tomorrow morning. Put it somewhere that you're going to see it the rest of the week. God is love. And then right underneath of that, God is in me. Okay? If God is in you, then that means God's love is in you. You have love. And never let anyone tell you that you don't. Because once you've experienced the love of Christ, you have love. That's step one to getting toward that self-control that you need. Take the time and study this part of Galatians chapter 5. Read through it over and over and keep your mind open to what God has to tell you specifically. I'm just sharing what God has taught me through studying this passage. And that is that, you know, against these things, there is no such law. If you, if you read a few verses earlier, then uh, Paul talks about the works or the fruits of the flesh. And against those things, there are still laws, both in the Bible and in state, federal, and local law. Um, but the fruit of the Spirit, there's nothing that says you can't live this way. There's nothing that says you can't have that. All it takes is your readiness to receive what God has for you. So I want you to be encouraged that those things, this love and joy and peace, patience, kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, I want you to be encouraged because the world is going to try to get us down. And the world is going to cave in around us from time to time. But come back to this passage and say, Lord, how can I grow from these things? How can you use me in these things to help other people grow? How can I crucify the flesh every day? How can I live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit? If you make this your prayer, God will have an answer for you. Uh, the, the beautiful thing is, is the peace. 
Um, my wife and I were actually just talking a little bit ago about the way that peace has an effect on other people and how when you see someone that is experiencing that peace that surpasses all understanding, you don't just know, but you feel that peace. You can physically see it and you can physically feel it. And it does something in your own spirit whenever you do see and feel that. And it's contagious. So, I hope that just this brief um, teaching on the fruits of the Spirit might have uh, gotten your thinkers rolling a little bit. Um, Because, honestly, if if you take a pen and you put little plus signs in between all of these things in your Bible, right before self-control, right before temperance, put an equal sign. That way then you remember that the result of all of these is that self-control. Self-control is one of the most difficult things for the human being to master. Because, let's face it, we get angry, we get upset, we get disgruntled. And when those things start weighing on us, that's when we tend to blow our cap. That's when we tend to lose our cool, we break down, we'll start to cry, we'll start to yell. But... God can handle that. God can work with that. So, uh, to close here, I want to go ahead and uh, say a prayer just for you. uh, And know that if, if you're listening to this, God wants you to listen to this. And know that I am praying specifically for you. I don't need to know your name because God does. So, um, go ahead and take your phone or your computer, however you're listening to this, and hold it tight. Bow your head with me and pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you with my brother and my sister. And Father, I thank you for this beautiful word that you've given us. Father, I thank you that you've given us an instruction Lord God, of how to live, and Father, how to obtain a a self-control that is unlike anything we've ever experienced. Father God, you've written this out for us so plainly in black and white, and we thank you for that, Lord. We give you praise because you are the God that knows everything about us, and Father, you know that we, as our erring human, as erring humans, we're going to stumble and we're going to fall. But Lord God, we have an assurance to know that you will reach down and extend your hand and say, come child, it's okay. And Father, we thank you for that. So Lord, tonight, as my brother and my sisters hear this message, I pray, Lord God, that you'll begin to instill this into their hearts. Father, if, if the fruits of the Spirit are the list of things that they've always known from the time they were a child, I ask, Lord, that you would begin to bring them to an awakening 
Lord God, to have a perfect understanding of what it means to have love and to have joy and to have peace. And Father God, I pray that you'll bring, that you'll bring to them this perfect understanding of what it is to live in the Spirit and to walk with the Spirit. Lord God, I thank you and I give you praise. And I ask, Lord, that whatever the needs of my brothers and sisters may be, Lord God, that you will begin to work on their behalf. Your word declares, Father God, that where two or more agree is touching anything, that you have heard our prayer, that you will begin to work on it. And Father God, I ask that you give my brother and my sister an assurance that I am standing in unity on their behalf with them and with you, Lord God, that you may begin to work on their issues and their needs. And we thank you, Lord, and we give you praise in Jesus' holy name. And all God's children said, amen and amen. That's going to wrap up this episode of the Move My Spirit podcast. I hope that you will enjoy it, and I hope that you will uh, come back for our next episode. Until then, have a good week. Shalom and be blessed. Hello and welcome back to Move My Spirit. I do apologize that it has been a while since I've recorded for you guys. Um, This season kind of takes me by storm, uh, getting everything ready for Christmas. And uh, if you follow my Facebook page, then you saw that I was pretty wrapped up in the beginning of the month. Uh, celebrating Hanukkah and doing the teachings on that. But I wanted to make sure that I got a podcast out to you for the month of December. I'm trying uh, my best to get about one a month out for now, and we'll see if they increase in the coming year. But um, it's only appropriate right now to talk about uh, the beginning of the book of Matthew, which is... um, you know, the basis of the season that we're in right now, which is the Christmas season. And I want to kind of put a different spin on it and maybe look at things a little bit differently. Of course, you know that that's how I like to approach all of our scriptures is um, maybe to shed a little bit of a new light or a new understanding on them for you. So I'm going to read to you from uh, Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 9 and I will end in verse 11. Uh, Coming from the King James, it reads, When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. So, of course, um, you know, churches all over the nation are going to be hearing these scriptures. Uh, You know, perhaps they started a couple of weeks ago when we entered into the month of December. And uh, they're going to hear them again this coming week and then again Christmas Eve. But... Something that I really take away from this particular passage is specifically in verse 11. 
is their style of worshiping Jesus. So, it's, it's, it's like it's not good enough just to say that they came and worship him, but the writer here felt it was necessary to, to paint a very detailed picture for us as the readers. And it, it was necessary to say that they fell down and worshipped him. Let that sink into you. They fell down and worshipped him. So as Christmas time comes, um, it, it seems as though a lot of people get very spiritually bogged down around Christmas time. There's a lot going on in the spirit realm for everyone. And, you know, great, great things come. And our worship seems to be one of the biggest things that can really take a hit. Um, you know, I, I serve as a worship leader, and it can be so difficult. It can be very spiritually frustrating for me as a worship leader to try and bring people into worship and yet still be under attack. Um, because the devil doesn't want me to see the fruit of the seed that I've planted. And, and so he's going to put those blinders on me and say, look, these people aren't even worshiping. And, you know, it, it can be very difficult, but um, I, I just... Worship has always been such a big deal to me. And, and I feel like that's why any chance I get, I almost have to teach on worship because... That is where we can really come together with God. Um, in, in many instances, when you're reading through scripture, you'll often find the words, they fell down and worshiped. Uh, just recently, I was talking uh, with someone and I said, you know, I just don't understand why people have such difficulty getting into worship. I have a charismatic upbringing, and so for me, when I get into worship, I'll raise my hands. If I, if I feel compelled to kneel before the Lord, I'll kneel. I will do whatever I need to do to come to that place of, of true worship. And so many people have such a struggle with actually getting into that kind of worship. They'd rather you know, grip the back of the pew that's in front of them, or, you know, maybe just stay seated or hold on tightly to the hymn book that they have in their hand. And while, while the physical act of singing to God is a form of worship, and while the actual simple act of just standing is a form of worship, as a worship leader, it becomes almost upsetting when you realize that these people seem almost chained and they don't want to step out a little bit. And so as I had this conversation, um, I, I just said, you know, why, why does it seem so easy for me? And this person answered me back and said, well, for some people, the act of raising their hands or kneeling is embarrassing. 
and that opened a new a new uh, view on it for myself because I, I didn't have that understanding it is sad to me I'll give you that it's, it's very sad to me because when I worship I understand that it's a sacrifice and that for when something is embarrassing the reason it feels embarrassing I'm sorry to say is pride so when it comes to worship we have to let go of the pride and that can be the single most difficult thing to do because you know what if Betty two pews behind you is sitting there thinking you're off off your rocker because you're raising your hands today and you've never done that as long as you've gone to church together what's the matter with you you know it's it's difficult I understand that but I think it's important to exhort one another to love to good works and to push each other to grow and so when worship is talked about here in the Christmas story and these wise men came with their gifts and they fell down before this child and they worshipped him my question to you is how do you worship how do you come to that place of complete oneness with God I'm not saying that everyone has to raise their hands. I'm not saying that everyone has to kneel down. But oftentimes you can you can get closer if you do more than just monotonely sing along with a song and and you actually get into worshiping God and praising him. Um I could go on for hours on end about the different ways to worship. But what I like to do uh, with these podcasts and with my blog posts is kind of to create a challenge. So as we're entering into this Christmas season, my challenge for you is going to be to examine your worship life. And here's why. Um, you know, it's, it's, it almost puts me at a loss for words, so I apologize if there's a little bit of dead air. My challenge for you is going to be to examine your worship life so that you can have a better understanding of how God wants you to worship Him. That, that's going to get kind of deep, okay? Um, be prepared for what the Lord says. But very, very earnestly seek and go to him in prayer and say, Lord, how would you want me to bring worship to you? And wait for him to answer. There I am at a loss for words. It it can be so earth shattering to wait upon the Lord in that manner and say, Lord, how can I worship you? Because worship is a sacrifice. Um, 
you know, it's, I think of it kind of in terms of passing the offering plate. It's a little bit of a sacrifice for you to put a check in the plate or to put cash in the plate because, you know, maybe that's money that you could have used for something throughout the week, but you made an offering. You made a sacrifice of yourself to put into that plate to further God's kingdom. And with worship, though it's not monetary, you have to offer up yourself. You have to make an offering and a conscious decision to let go of your pride and truly worship God. I have, I have physically seen with my own eyes people fall down and worship. And it's the most beautiful thing, um, you know, to see, to go into a church and see people raising their hands and kneeling before God to worship. It just, it just does something inside of you that's unlike anything else. And it's very contagious. But there are a few requirements. One of the requirements is that you have to be open. One of the requirements is that you have to be ready. And, and another requirement is you have to let go of your pride. Again, probably the most difficult thing to ask any human being to do is let go of the pride. But when you let go of your pride and you worship Jesus, you become so renewed and so refreshed that you become uncontainable. So to go along with the challenge, um, once you've fully examined how you currently worship, okay, take out a pen and paper and write yourself a letter about how you worship. And at the end of your letter, write out this question. If Jesus Christ stood in the front of the church on Sunday morning, would you worship the same as you did last week? If Jesus Christ stood in the front of the church on Sunday morning, would you worship the same way you did last week? That's my challenge for you. Um, Maybe use it as a New Year's resolution for the spiritual being that is within you. But, you know, he's, he's getting ready to do something big. Uh, the Spirit has been stirring for months on end. Christmas time is a great time to talk about the birth of the King. But man, it is, it is a wonderful opportunity to talk about worship. So think about those things. Write yourself the letter. Write out the question. And think about maybe how you could not necessarily change, but grow. That's always the goal behind everything that I teach is is to spur growth and to stir up some kind of uh, spiritual joy within you to cause you to grow. So uh, if you don't mind, 
just take a minute and bow your head with me. I'm going to go ahead and pray over you uh, and just, just get ready for whatever God has for you. Let's go ahead and pray and we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you, Lord, with all of my listeners. Father God, I know that whoever has turned on this podcast and is listening, it is not by mistake, but Lord, that it is by divine appointment. And Father, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would ready their hearts for whatever you have for them. Father God, as they sit down in the coming days to examine how they worship you, I ask, Father, that you would indicate to them how you want to be worshipped. Father, teach them how to worship. Lord God, set them free from any chains, any bondage that holds them back. And Father, set them free from the pride that stops them from growing in you. Lord God, I thank you and I praise you for being such a mighty God that's so deserving of worship. And Father, I ask in the holy name of Jesus that each person that hears this message will not only be reminded of the greatness of the sacrifice that you made, but Father God, that they will learn themselves how to make a sacrifice for you. And it's in the holy name of Jesus I pray your blessings upon these people. In your name, amen. We'll talk again soon, if not before the turn of the year. Have a safe and blessed holiday season. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and we'll talk again.